Um, this past year, I've used the same text and basically the, the taught the same thing about communion each of our family days to make sure I reinforced those lessons. But today, I'm going to change things up just a little bit. I'm going to use a different text and come at our communion time kind of from a different angle. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 17. But before they put that up, hold it. See, I knew they were going to do that because they're fast. Before they do that, when I was studying this, whenever I study for a message, I look at about four or five different versions of the Bible to see kind of the different ways that, that it's worded. And I always check out the message version. I hardly ever use it because it's a paraphrase. It's not literal. It's not, I mean, it's not word for word from the Greek or the original language. It's very modern uh, paraphrase. But I always like to read it because it's interesting to me. But when I read this passage with the message version, it leapt off the page. And so I'm going to use it today because it just, it, it really did. I just felt like we needed to hear it this way. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is a Greek city. This is not a Jewish community. He, he as a missionary, he went and led these people to the Lord and began a church, but they were very immature. They were very young in the Lord. They, there was no New Testament. He was writing. He wrote half of the New Testament. This is part of the New Testament that he's writing them to. So they had very little to go by. So if you can imagine that, there were a lot of problems in the church. Can you imagine problems in the church? Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. When you get a lot of people together, you're going to have differences of opinion and problems. Well, there were some major issues in the Corinthian church, and he's writing to address those. In verse 17, he says, Regarding this next item, I'm not at all pleased. He's got a very parental tone. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with and criticizing each other. Can you believe that would happen in the church? Anybody been a part of a church? Come on. Hello. Especially in the South, it seems like there's this ridiculous competitive spirit. We don't want the church down the street to succeed because it makes us look bad. It's, it's nothing new. We criticize each other. We throw rocks because they're a different denomination and they believe a few things a little bit differently. We look down our long nose and, and, and point fingers and say, you need to have this and you need to do that. You need to do this this way. You need to have better worship. You need to have the songs on the wall. No, we want to sing it out of a book. Come on. It, it, that, that spirit was there. He says, I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. Basically saying the truth will eventually come out. Verse 20 says, and then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. You think that's possible that we might do that occasionally? You think it's possible that we bring our divisions in here? Come on. Yes, we do. You come together, and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. 
Now, that's the part that jumped out to me. And I don't know that what I'm about to say is his original intent, but I'm going to say it anyway. Look on the screen. Pigs don't share. Pigs, that's why they're called pigs. How many have watched pigs eat? I'm not a farmer, didn't grow up on a farm, but I've seen pigs eat before, and I've seen it, you know, on TV. I've never seen a pig share anything. Pigs don't share. And when I was studying this, all that I could think of in my mind was, was church people pigging out, if you will, on the good things of God, but not taking anything substantial back outside. That's all I could think. That's why it's so important, if you were not here Sunday night, that you watch the vision talk, because most of that talk is about correcting that at New Life Church. I can't help what anybody else does. I'm not the pastor of anywhere else, but I have been held responsible. I will stand before God for my decisions here and the way I lead this church. That's heavy to me. And we're not going to be pigs. We are going to share what God has done in our heart and in our life. And we're going to give until it hurts. We're going to take outside what we've experienced in here. I feel that. Continue on that scripture. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out. Listen to this. Too drunk, drunk to walk. Talk about church, folks. They're having a kegger. He says, I can't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? In other words, don't you have your own homes to have a party in? Come on. Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Look, he's saying, look, if you're going to have a party, if you're going to just make it a social event, stay at your house. Don't bring it to the church. Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. One of the biggest problems in the American church are leaders who are unwilling to say what needs to be said with their people in love. To speak the truth with grace and love. Afraid of offending the wrong person because they pay the most tithes. Afraid of losing her because she supports that ministry and I better walk carefully with him because if I lose him, the church is going to go down. No, no, no. It doesn't belong to him and it doesn't belong to me. This is God's church and he will take care of the need if we are obedient to the word of the living God. Paul's saying, look, I'm going to risk offending you. I love you enough to risk offending you with this truth. I'm not going to stand by and do nothing. What was happening, listen, I'm, this is not long. What was happening is there was a group of rich people, wealthy people in this church, and they were using church time to just get together as a clique, the social club, and they were calling it the Lord's Supper, and they were just partying, getting drunk. It's their old life coming out. That's what they always did. And the, another problem on top of that was they weren't, even, they weren't even letting the poor people in on it. <laughs> the problem is that they were neglecting the poor in the church. They were going home 
drunk and full and all this. And the poor people were going home hungry. Verse 23. Let me go over with you again <laughs> exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to what? Remember me. Do this to remember the sacrifice. Do this to remember the cross. And then after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant, my new testament. That's where we get that. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again. And it's, how many, we, we do communion on a regular basis. You'll do this again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't take this moment lightly. Verse 27, anyone who eats the bread and drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him in his death. Is that the kind of remembrance that you want to be a part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in what? Holy awe. In verse 29, if you give no thought or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. He's talking about judgment. You cannot trample the blood of Jesus and nothing happened. And so he's referring back to the original complaint of making worship a social event and the Lord's Supper a drunken party, which is what they were doing. Now look at, look at the screen. Paul's not... Paul's point is not that only perfect Christians are worthy to participate in communion. You need to understand that. Perfect people don't need communion. His point is that we must come to the Lord's table with humility, confessing our sins, seeking the forgiveness that only comes through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the grace of only sinners need his grace. Only sinners can participate in the Lord's Supper. Does that make sense? But listen to this carefully before we do this. Look at the screen. The only people who can freely come to the table are those who have acknowledged that they are sinners and have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The only people who can participate or are supposed to participate in communion are those who have already accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and with the, their sins under the blood. So before we go any further in this, before we partake in this holy act, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, please. No looking around. You'd say, Pastor Allen, I'm just, I'm not sure, and I want to know today that Jesus is the Lord of my life, that my sin is under the blood. I want to accept him as my savior today. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I'm not gonna have you come down front. We're gonna pray a prayer together. If that's you, raise your hand. Who else? Who else? 
Who else? Amen. Anybody else? Six people. I want everyone in the room to repeat. You put your hands down. I want everyone in the room to repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I confess my sin. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So I confess my sins. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sin. I invite you now to come into my life to cleanse me of all unrighteousness through your precious blood. From this day forward, I commit to live my life for you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for six people that gave their life to the Lord? That's 11 folks for the day. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now listen, if you were one, there were, there were several children and there were several adults that raised their hand. The, this next step is almost as important as what you just did. You need to get one of those cards that Cody was talking about in the back of the, the chair or in the front of the chair there. And you need to write your name clearly and that you decided to accept Christ so that we can follow up with you because it's so important that you take next steps like baptism and get involved. Listen, if you don't, you run the risk of getting separated from the pack, getting separated from the church. We don't do this. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We can't make it without each other. We're the body of Christ. So it is so important that you fill that card out. Parent, if, if, you're, if you're a child here, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandmother that your decision that you made and get that card filled out and give it to an usher as you leave so that we can follow up with you. That is so, so important. But the great news is that right now you get to participate in communion. And that is such an amazing thing. If you are saved, it doesn't matter if you're a member of the church or not you are welcome to participate. If you need the elements, will you raise your hand? We were handing them out as we came in, but we probably missed some folks. Ushers, quickly. Where are my ushers? They were, did really well in the early service. Here we go. We might need one more going around. Just keep those hands up until you've been served. Want everybody to have one. Cody's coming around over here. Just keep those hands up until we get to you. We will, I promise. We tried to get everybody as they came in, but... Hallelujah. Those of you who are waiting uh, or who have already been served, just peel back the top portion of your element there. It reveals the, the wafer. Take that out. Don't eat it yet. 
There's, just like the water in the baptismal, there's, this is, there's nothing magical about this. This represents, it's symbolic of the body of Christ. It's, it represents the body. We do this to remember what he did for us, the sacrifice on the cross, how he was beaten beyond recognition, how he took the stripes on his back for our healing. Will you bow your heads and let's pray over.